This is Top Landing Gear. Welcome to a brand new aviation podcast, Top Landing Gear. We'll be bringing you interviews with some of the biggest names and characters in aviation. We'll be doing outside broadcasts from the UK's major air shows and aviation events. We'll have access all areas to take you behind the scenes with the crews, the pilots and the people involved with some of the most exciting aircraft ever to have flown, from the Lancaster to the Typhoon. I'm Rob Curling, a former BBC television presenter and your podcast host. And with me will be James Cartner, a hugely experienced pilot who's flown anything from the 777 to the Hawk and the Puma. We've got the pop superstar and private pilot's license hopeful, Roy Stride from Scouting for Girls. And someone who's going to be our historian, our statistician, uh, who's also flown a Spitfire and just happens to be my younger brother, Jeremy Curling. Hello, this is Roy, and a quick note before the podcast begins. This was actually our pilot episode, which was recorded last year, so there are a few things which may seem a little bit out date. Our first episode proper comes out next Tuesday. It's all about the Spitfire. Uh, but we love this episode so much, and the interview of John Hutchinson, which follows, is incredible. So we wanted to leave it in. If you enjoy it, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. And, uh, well, enjoy. This is Top Landing Gear. Hello and welcome to a brand new aviation podcast, Top Landing Gear. This is our pilot episode. Forgive the pun, there will be many more. (laughs) (laughs) And that is our pun bell. But we, the four of us, we're a group of aviation enthusiasts who just love to talk about anything to do with aviation. My name's Rob Curling. I'm a TV presenter by trade. Um, I've done some air shows on the telly as well. We've got a proper pilot amongst us, James Cartner, ex-RAF, flew fast jets, the Hawk, He's flown a Harrier once, never again. (laughs) Then he went on to slightly slower beasts such as the Puma and the Wessex and now flies for the airlines. James? Yes, that's correct. Is that roughly right? That is pretty pretty much spot on. Thank you, James. And then we've got our pop star. Obviously, every podcast has to have a pop star. We've got Roy Stride. From Scouting for Girls. Hello. Who's just about to go for his private pilot's license. Literally today I did my first flight. Uh, my it? first lesson. It was it was a life changing experience. More about that later. Oh, wonderful! It. And then uh, this is a difficult one, isn't it? The fourth <laughs> one of us is. It was his idea. He's a lovely fellow. He's my brother, <laughs> uh, Jeremy. Um, more agricultural fencer than anything to do with glamorous aviation. Yeah, if we were doing a podcast about fencing, I'd be the first person you come to. <laughs> If you're doing a podcast about aircraft, possibly not the first person you come to, but because it was my idea, yes. here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you really add some weight to the... Uh, oh, gravitas, yeah. I think, was yeah. the word you were looking for. Well, there will be a lot of that sort of stuff going on. I mean, James, you're designed for wide-bodied jets. Thank I you. think we know yes. that. But um, your RAF career, then, mm-hmm. you uh, did you enter the RAF to go into fast jets? 
at the time, that's what that was the only option. Um, so everybody that uh, everybody that was selected was considered uh, straight for the fast jet stream. So I did the uh, the training on the Takano at the time, and the Hawk. And at the end of the Hawk course, I was specially selected to fly helicopters. <laughs> um, they obviously saw my slightly slower brain ticking over there, and um, I, I flew the the Wessex operationally, wow. uh, and the Puma. Uh, some training on the uh, on the squirrel, as I said, back to the puma, uh, and then left and decided that uh, I prefer to land with ten thousand feet of runway in a five star hotel at the end of it than a, uh, than a field with a tent. So I went to join the airlines, uh, and uh, after a, a few airlines that I've been with, I've now uh, settled down. Nice one. Now James is going to be our, our encyclopedia of all things aviation because he knows his stuff. And you also would love to hear your questions. We're going to have an Ask James section each week. So do get in touch with your questions for us via either Twitter or Instagram. We're at Top Landing Gear. Also each week we'll hear from a major guest in aviation. We'll do a big interview with them and you'll be able to hear clips of those interviews during our main programmes and then we will put the interviews out in full for you to hear at another date. One of Jeremy's contributions to this is going to be Moments in Aviation History. Uh, got anything for us? Um, Let me just refer to my encyclopedic <laughs> A4 piece of paper. <laughs> what would you like to know? I can tell you being that um, we are recording late October, yeah. that uh, one of my favourite aircraft, the Vulcan, uh, sadly retired on the 28th of October 2015, oh. 2015. Last flight ever. Flew into Doncaster after its comeback in 2007, but uh, grounded and no longer flying. Any chance of that coming back? Uh, very little, I think. It's, it's mm. it, just too costly and it's not supported now by BAE or Rolls-Royce mm. or any of the people who need to be involved with its uh, its future flight so i think it's not going to happen sadly it was wonderful when it lasted thank you very much for that we also have a quiz each week a little aviation quiz which i've put together which i hope the guys will really struggle with but um let's do some more ask james now as james is our pilot here he knows pretty much everything there is to know about aviation so you are going to have the opportunity to ask him any question you like via either twitter or instagram remember it's at top landing gear so please do bring your questions to the table and uh, we'll put them to james on your behalf but just to get you going we've got plenty of questions to ask james how on earth did you get into flying person like you but um <laughs> now, now you're in the airlines james favorite destinations um from a visiting point of view, you can't really beat the Caribbean. But this isn't aviation-based. That's because I just like beaches. <laughs> uh, Flying-wise... Yeah, best or best and worst runways. Yeah, uh, Some of my friends are addicted to watching those YouTube videos of like, oh, yeah. the worst yeah. places to land. Um, as far as runways are concerned, I used to operate out London City. And that was always a challenge because it's a steeper approach than normal. Mm. And then you're landing on a carrier deck. And it's a bang, slam the lamp, slam the brakes on. We're here, <laughs> and everyone takes their face off the seat in front of them and and, and, and puts their business suit back on and uh, goes into the, to do business in do in the Docklands. Uh, so my favourite runway is a really big, long, wide one. But there are some particularly beautiful approaches. The Caribbean islands are always lovely to come and uh, mm. fly over. Uh, and you get a chance to really appreciate that. You really do. Um, mm. And you, you know, while you're still doing your job, you're still flying the aircraft, mm. but you do look out. Mm. Um, and it, it's we're very privileged to, to be in, in the position mm. to see some of the, the sights that we do see. Um, 
not only in the in the aircraft toilets, but <laughs> on the uh, final approach as well. <laughs> um, one thing that occurred to me because you've flown both fixed wing and helicopters is the um, the captain yes. in an airliner or most aircraft will sit in the the left hand seat. In a helicopter, right-hand seat. That's what it, well, the, the aircraft the helicopters are generally operated from the right. The, the reason that a captain sits in the left and fixed-wing aircraft goes back to early flying days when the configuration of aircraft meant that it was easier aerodynamically to turn left than it was to turn right. It's to do with the prop wash over the aircraft. Mm. Uh, traffic patterns were generally made with left-hand turns. When we started moving to bigger aircraft with two pilots, because the patterns were left-handed, it was, it was always considered better for the captain to be sitting on the side of the turn so he could see where the aircraft was going. This is almost interesting. Almost. <laughs> we're getting close to interesting now. <laughs> uh, so that is why the captain sits on the left-hand side of the aircraft. Wow. When Mr Sikorsky decided to invent his slightly weird uh, rotary aircraft design, he tried sitting in the left and the right and just found yeah. easier to use his left hand on the collective, which is the power lever, and the right hand on the forwards, backwards, left and right cyclic stick. And so he decided that helicopters, or his helicopters, will be flown from the right. And that idea caught on, and that's why helicopters are generally flown from the right, and captains of um, fixed-wing yeah. aircraft sit on the left. That is, fa- uh, James, that is genuinely fascinating. But if you think about, particularly with Airbus aircraft now, which just have a little side mm-hmm. stick controller, the captain will be... Operating that with his left hand, and yes. we know people are predominantly right-handed. We've mm-hmm. got two left-handers here, but um, are predominantly right-handed. So he's flying the aircraft, or she, with yeah. their left hand. That's correct. And this is one of the things, when you do your command training from first officer to be captain, the first three or four trips are teaching left hand to fly. So part of converting from, from right to left, which a lot of people forget about, mm. is you actually have to fly with a different hand. Did you find it difficult? <laughs> Yeah, I, did. I find everything that difficult. Wasn't a question. <laughs> well, but you're very much stuck in the right-hand seat, so I'm not really sure we've had to come across that yet, have you, James? I was in the left once. <laughs> well, if you've got a question, which is slightly more interesting than that, you get in contact with us at toplandinggear at gmail.com. James, have you ever shot anything down? Not on purpose. <laughs> How fast have you ever been? Fastest I've been was uh, just over Mac 1. About 1.05. What? what On skis? Is that? <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> and a black running bell was there. It was um, in a uh, hawk doing an air test. And yep. part of the air test of a hawk was to uh, test its supersonic performance. Right. Because it was clear for supersonic, but the engine couldn't actually push it supersonic in level flight. So it happened in a oh. dive. Wow. And so you did you hear the boom? You don't hear it in the aircraft because it's all happening behind you. Right, of course. You're a bit ahead of it. Has anyone actually ever heard a supersonic boom? Yeah. You have? Yes, I think at an air show. In the the old days, Mm. when I was a youngster, they were allowed to fly supersonic at air shows. I'm absolutely... I may be making this up, Mm. but I'm sure I've I've heard, I think, probably a lightning or something going supersonic. Mm, Possibly. Farnborough, Biggin Hill somewhere. I think I'm telling the truth. Well, it does well, happen from time to time. Can, can, yeah, it does happen from time to time when, when a, um, an airline pilot falls asleep and doesn't answer the radio. We send one of our typhoons up to intercept it. <laughs> and there's, been, yeah. there's been a few issues over Lincolnshire recently where they've had to get to an airliner quite quickly, and I think a few windows have been broken. 
Really? Yes, I've read about that. Yeah. Mm. Car alarms. Car alarms going off. Cats up drain pipes. Because dear old Concord wasn't allowed to go supersonic until it got out. No, the there, was, there was a, a particular waypoint um, just west of Ireland where they, they, they used to do throttle yeah. up. And it had a, quite a good name and I'll have to go and look it up because I can't remember. But it, it was it was something like Tee Up or the oh, name was of the it? waypoint, which was, was meant they could go... Well, we might find out more about this because our special guest in our first episode is a former Concorde pilot, John Hutchinson, formerly of British Airways. This is Top Landing. You loved that aeroplane, didn't you? I loved that aeroplane with a huge passion. And of course... What was also fantastic at that time, we always used to keep open flight deck doors. Yeah. I wasn't locked up on my flight deck, divorced from the customers. We used to keep an open flight deck door. Wow. And people would just sort of wander yeah. up at will and come and visit us on the flight deck. And some pretty notable people, I would Well, imagine. by definition, <laughs> yes. I guess, we carried some very, very interesting people. So... I used to look down the passenger list and say, oh, I wouldn't mind meeting him or her <laughs> and issue an invitation and say, would you like to come up and watch the takeoff or watch the landing? And they I always, bet no one refused, they all, they? <laughs> Well, actually, funny enough, one person did. <laughs> Who was that? Edward Heath. <laughs> <laughs> what was his problem? I don't know. <laughs> Grumpy old chap. Was he? Was he? Even oh, though? I think so. oh. that, that was my feeling about yeah. it. yeah. But uh, any sort of favourites or surprises amongst some of those passengers? Because you you often, you know, if you if it's a film star or someone, you, you have a view of what they might be like in real life and it might be completely shattered when well, you come I, to meet them. Or well, royalty? I've, I've done a royal flight with um, Her Majesty the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh to Washington and then down to Miami. This was in 1991. And then the royal party boarded the Royal Yacht Britannia we positioned the aeroplane from Miami across to Tampa and we had several days <coughs> in Tampa watching the stately progress of the Royal Yacht around the Florida panhandle and um, the Duke came on with us back through Washington and then on to London. So that was a huge privilege. In terms of memorable people, I suppose one of the memorable ones was Lauren Bacall. Oh, wow. Muhammad Ali was oh. somebody... I mean, he was just magnificent. Yeah. And he was the most magnificent specimen of humanity you could ever <laughs> ever see. Yes. And he was just delightful. You know, yeah. he's funny. Um, no sort of bombast about him at all. Just a really nice chap. Yeah. I, I was very taken with him. Yeah. And, of course, I've got a lovely story about um, Elvis Costello. Oh, right. Yeah. The only trouble with this story is... Yes. It probably isn't suitable for public hearing because it does involve the use of an Anglo-Saxon word beginning with F. And if you don't use that <laughs> exactly. Anglo-Saxon word beginning with F, it loses the... <laughs> it oh, loses really? The, well, it, we can try it. I'm not sure if we've got a bleep, bleep machine, but maybe we should invest in one. Well, it was very... I'll tell you the story yeah. and you can do what you like. Yeah. With it. It's just a wonderful story, actually. This is Top Landing. And you know what? It really is a brilliant story. And I had to put in a lot 
of beeps, but it was well worth it. If you want to listen to that full interview with John, it follows this podcast. And this really is a chance to go really deep with a guy who's got an incredible aviation mind and history. Uh, over an hour and 15 minutes where he talks about what it was really like to fly the Concorde. Some amazing other stories, plus the development of this aircraft. So stay tuned for full flaps. That follows this podcast. So that was just a clip of the interview I did with John Hutchinson. He's an old mate of mine from BBC Air Show days. But he's got so much love and passion for that aeroplane and talked so much more about it as, as well, uh, the development of it and how he got into to flying Concorde and indeed the future. But lots more he's, he spoke about as Did well. you get a sense that he thinks that there's a future in supersonic travel? Yes, but very different, I think. I, nothing probably as big as Concorde. He, I think he thought that it would be more for the sort of bizjet end would go supersonic and maybe even sort of almost almost out of space, but, you know, mm. right at the periphery of the atmosphere. And, and it would be probably small bizjet supersonic travel, but probably not like we've experienced in terms of Concorde. Did you get a sense that for him, Concorde and the whole period that he was around that project yeah this huge sense of nostalgia for him or is he quite matter of fact about it and accepted its demise with sort of uh customary no. i don't know if he was ex-military or not but the, the, the sort of well, he is ex-military yeah. um in fact very like james he went to be fast jets uh, flew a hunter once and then ended up flying shackleton's got slower and slower but he um no he's very emotional about it his beautiful house in in uh, up near cambridgeshire is uh, just full of models of Concorde, beautiful models of Concorde. He's very emotional about that aeroplane and absolutely loved it. And another thing that he mentions in the interview actually was what it was like to retire from flying Concorde. Um, and it, the, that really, he found it really difficult to cope with for years, mm. years wow. afterwards. Oh, yeah. mm. uh, has anyone flown Concorde here? Do you know that? No. I th- I you, a- had a, uh, you had a Concorde flight. Gifted to you, didn't you? Mm. Which you never took. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, how stupid is that? How are you presenting this? Dough. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same, is it? It's, dough. Um, yeah, it's slightly embarrassing, isn't it? I just didn't quite get round to it. No. I've done the one Story at Brooklands. I took the kids <laughs> on the one at Brooklands, which is oh. they do. You go on there, and I think yeah. it's about a fiver, and they yeah. pretend you go up to, you know, to, you go through the sound barrier and you sit in oh, the it's tiny little. Chair. It's really yeah. good. It's all there, and it's like it's brilliantly done. The enthusiasts there are. are I'm but there is a Concorde flight deck simulator there, isn't there, as well? At Brooklyn's now. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know this was new. Yeah, it is yeah. new, I think. Yeah. Oh, amazing. In fact, oh, John you, talks you, about that. You, you could try that instead of the yeah. flight that you, <laughs> my, my, you ridiculously have. didn't do. <laughs> what I have done is walked on the wing of Concorde. I have a certificate for that on the ground. Not quite it? so impressive. No, but fewer <laughs> people have walked on its wing than have flown in it. Do you know fewer people flew Concorde than have been in outer space? Yes. Which I think is incredible. That is yeah. insane. It yeah. is incredible, isn't it? That is. That can't be. True. It's true. 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 Fewer yes. people have flown Concorde than the uh, the flown, number of Americans flown in or flown it. flown flown it flown it. Oh, okay. As yeah. in flight yes. deck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I did think that it was passengers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, people how in space. many people? Are in space? <laughs> <laughs> Just people floating around. I did ask John this very mm. question actually, 
And he said, well, let me think. Uh, he said about 400 people have flown Concorde. I said, 400? Mm. Yes, so we used to invite people up to the flight deck, HRH, uh, Duke of Edinburgh. He, he mm. steered it once. I said, yeah, I don't think we're counting, you know, with all due respect to HRH. I don't think we're counting. And the Shah mm. of Iran, obviously. No, it can't have been the Shah of Iran. Somebody else had a, had a pole, mm. which I <laughs> is a phrase you pilots use. For but many he, things. For, <laughs> but he's a, as emotional about Concorde as Roy is about the Cessna 170. I love the Cessna. That is saying something. That is saying something. I think a few more people have flown Cessnas than... <laughs> it's the uh, the most manufactured aircraft in the world. Is that Cessna right? 172. Over 44,000 have been made. Wow. I found that. And I think number three is the Messerschmitt 109. Mm-hmm. And the Spitfire is number five with about... Well, I can tell you exactly from the book of knowledge and the, on the table of knowledge. Stato. Stato. Submarine Spitfire, 20,351. Wow. Concorde, 20. Gosh. Yep. Um, and uh, the Aleutian IL-2 Stelovic tops the, tops the list. 36,000. Tops the list. The Cessna 172. The Cessna. Yeah. No, it tops the list on the left-hand page. <laughs> of, of Great the book. stat there, Jess. Um, on the left page... <laughs> 36,183. But the really big circle, which I missed, the Cessna 172 flew, which you flew, uh, Roy, 43,000. Did Did you say that to me? Whilst you were getting out of your book to give us that stat, I actually just said that stat. I'm going to close the book now. Is the the, the Concorde the smallest dot on there? Well, actually, no. Yes. It's so small, there isn't a dot. Ah. Uh, I think that uh, the smallest dot above that is the, uh, the Sea Harrier, 826. Did you fly a Sea Harrier, James? Or was it it was a, a, a training Sea Harrier, I flew, yes. Yeah. Wow. So it was a two-seater, obviously. Yeah. 825, um, then, by the time you'd finished with it. <laughs> <laughs> given your slightly dubious record. <laughs> anyway, we'll move over. The first Concorde supersonic flight, October the 1st, 1969. Wow. Uh, and some more October dates. Um, 28th of October... Mm-hmm. The Cuban Missile Crisis uh, ends. Vulcan bombers, my favourite aircraft, uh-huh. have been basically on 24-hour standby with crews at five minutes readiness, left with engines running. They were even camping on the runways so wow. that they could uh, man- get, get, get their missions underway should they be required. Luckily for all of us, they never were. And they carried the blue steel. That was mm. close as we got, wasn't it? I think Those, very, uh, very close. I think that documentary sent through, we'll put a link to this documentary on uh, the socials where where they were at readiness all that time and knowing that they would have nowhere to come back to. Yeah, yes. it was always it a one way flight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, there was only the whole Cuban Missile Crisis, there was, there was, there was one combat casualty who um, I'm going to tell you about, and his name. <laughs> And he died on the 27th of October 1962. So we're very local to when we're, we're talking about now in, in late October. An American, he was shot down, um, a guy called Rudolf Anderson. Shot down. Shot down. Uh, and he was shot down in a U-2 spy plane, U-2 spy plane, um, over Cuba. Uh, and lost his life, very sadly. But he was the only combat casualty of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm. And it could have been millions, should mm. things have mm. um, turned out differently. So pretty sobering. Wow. Well. Mm. Have you got a fun October fact? <laughs> well, I was trying to keep it light. Uh, but after talking about uh, that... Um, Anything about well, Cessna? Well, fun... No, no Cessna facts okay, at all. Right, okay. the I'm out. 1969, though, was 
a major year in aviation and space because it was Concorde's first flight, yes. first flight of the Jumbo seven four seven, and also the year man landed on yeah. the moon, wasn't it? Well, I mean, what a year! Mm. What what was interesting, if you didn't think other stuff was, uh, was <laughs> I think it was interesting. It was just a bit, a bit morbid. Dour, a bit more. <laughs> well, this isn't this isn't particularly light, but it might be interesting to us. Now, did our uncle? Fly DC-9s. Yes, he did. Well, there you go. 18th October 1979, the first flight of the McDonnell Douglas DC-9. This is Top Landing. We're also going to have a weekly quiz for the guys here, which listeners, please join in and actually send in some questions because I'm having to research this quiz. So I'd love some questions for you. If you do send in the questions, please send the answers as well. <laughs> so guys, I think you've all got your own buzzers, have you? Uh, yep. Can I use this one? Yes, you yeah, can. Okay, you're Roy's right. going to use my, that's the joke bell. When there's a pun, we ring I don't, the bell. I don't think but... I'm going to be using it. I feel okay, there's well, somebody might who might be. Uh, okay. um, I thought I thought five questions with bonus questions okay. on offer as well about uh, aviation related topics, and uh, one non aviation. Ah, oh. the answers just, there, Jess. Uh... I might have an answer uh, <laughs> on the basis that um, I was asking Rob about this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you, I've told him nothing about the contents of the pod pilot quiz. Pod pilot. Here we go. How many marks of Spitfire were there? <laughs> we need to. <laughs> what? That, what? <laughs> that was Jeremy and, <laughs> and James and a few sheep have just what? entered the bar. What is your buzzer? It's it's uh, flight deck warning sounds <laughs> from commercial. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to hear some more? Yes, we'd love to. Yeah. And it goes on. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got a minute of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, okay. I think yours came out first, Jeremy. So, how many marks of Spitfire do you? I think, think it was twenty-nine. Okay, I'm going to throw it open. Yes, Roy. Oh. Twenty-two. I'm still throwing it open. You're closest, yeah. James. Uh, Twenty-six. It's actually 24. Oh, so it's 24 marks of Spitfire. I mean, there were many sub-variants as well, but this covers Spitfire in development with the Merlin engine, the Griffin engine, high-speed photoreconnaissance variants, different wing configurations and so I on. Think but I think adds up to 29. <laughs> <laughs> widely agreed. Is 24. Now, a little bonus question here. I wonder how many of you know the answer to this one. What type of aircraft were the Spitfire's first victims in the Second World War. Ooh. What was the first aircraft to be shot down by a Spitfire? Yes, a hurricane. It was a hurricane. Oh. In fact, I think it was a few hurricanes. Yeah, it was a few, yes. Do you know the story behind that? Well, they were out somewhere in East Anglia or something, and a returning patrol coming back from were, were surprised by these new aircraft coming to shoot them down. Very I good, believe. James. Yeah, tr sad story, but well done. You got that absolutely right. Okay, uh, so James leads the quiz. It's uh, one zero zero. Uh, from January two thousand and nine, what did U.S. Airways Flight fifteen forty nine become known as? Two thousand and nine. U.S. Airways Flight one five four nine. What year was this? 
2009. Is it something political? No, it's not political. Sporting? Not sporting. Aviation? Aviation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hang on. Hang on. Come on. Ah, you too late. Yes, James. James. I was Air Force Three or something like that. No, incorrect. No, uh, Jeremy, I think you were next to me. That's a bit of a clue. That is a bit of a clue. <laughs> was it 2000? Was it uh, What was the number? 2009. What number was the flight? 1549. Was it 1550? <laughs> what? It was what 1550? The next the flight, was it known as 1550? Did it move up one? <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's not. It didn't at all. Okay. No, but your alarms should be ringing alarms. So what what happened in 2009? What planes? Is it a plane that went down? Didn't mm-hmm. it? it? Must have. It did. Let's re let's rename the flight because it. No, it wasn't. They didn't have to rename the it's flight. What, it just became known as this. It was. Oh, it's the one which seminal. disappeared. Oh the yes, one that, yes. Uh, oh. Yes, James. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop pushing it. The, um, <laughs> the Miracle on the Hudson. The Miracle oh. on the Hudson is absolutely right. Great well film. Done. Yeah, The Miracle on the Hudson. They Everyone who's listening to this will be going, what are these guys <laughs> yeah. presenting a well, podcast for? Yeah. <laughs> Not 1550, then. Um, no, it didn't become 1550. Um, bonus point. Who was the captain? What was oh. his name? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is <laughs> incorrect, although I think it's you're absolutely right, yeah. Sully. Yeah, it was Sully. Uh, Chesley Sully Sullenberger. For an extra bonus, spell Sullenberger. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, and another little bonus. What type of aircraft? It was an Airbus 320. It was an A320. Well he didn't done. buzz. He didn't buzz. Yeah, I know. No, Who Airbus A320. There? Correct. We well, could all have said that. Anyone could have shouted that out. <laughs> Good. So hold on. Who, I'm just going to just keep track of the scores now. So you got now. Who got Miracle on the Hudson? James. Yeah. James is the only one who scored so far. Yeah. In the film Top Gun. Oh. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Here we right. go. The aircraft flown by the oh. main characters, such as Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, were F-14s. Yeah. I'll give you that. Uh. But what was the main aircraft type used in the 1991 Top Gun spoof? Hot shots flown by Charlie Sheen's character. Yes, James. Skyhawk. Incorrect. Oh. I think they did have Skyhawks in it, but yeah, uh, that yeah. wasn't the main aircraft that featured. This is one of my favourite films. I think they had some Northrops, didn't they, in there as well? Was, the, uh, was it something silly? That's a proper jet. Do you know, I once lost a girlfriend over hot shots. In what we, sense? When it came out of the cinema, we met, did lots of kissing, and then went to the cinema. And I laughed so uncontrollably <laughs> during that film that she never, ever answered my phone call ever again. I'm more for her. I know. That was and a, uh, what was her name? Claire, I think. You think? I think. Claire, if yeah. you're listening in, or if any of you I don't think she's Claire. into aviation. She, she wasn't no, into hot that. shots. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any, any more takers on this? Albatross. L39. No, that's... Right. Harrier. Guess. That's the, what the Brightling team uses. Yes, yeah, yeah. The Not best thing is when they landed and they... Yeah, they flew off aircraft. <laughs> I just love that film. But does anyone know what the, the jet was? Well, was no, we nothing clearly don't. Like an we don't know. I'll, I'll give you a clue. It was British. 
Tornado. Nope. Oh. Phantom. Nat. That's French. Fallen Nat. Nat. The old Nat. Red Arrows aircraft. Mm. Yeah, it was a little Fallen Nat, yeah. which is uh, yeah, lovely to see getting a starring role. I think these were proper fighter versions rather than the two-seat trainers with yes. Red Arrows. He's a bit of Fallen Nat nonetheless. Uh, and a little bonus. What was the name of Sheen's character in Topper. the film? Harley. Topper Harley at last. That is Roy gets it. Well done. So oh. far, it's James has four. Roy has one. <clears throat> Our historian gets a score. <laughs> it's because it's not written down in the book in front of me. We'd like a quick non-aviation question. Go ahead, you must. How many pips do you hear on the Greenwich time signal before the long beep at the top of the hour, as we say? Oh, on Radio 4. Yes, James. Five. Correct. <laughs> Jeremy's trying to count on one hand. Seven. Now, that was the non-aviation, and the yeah. pilots got it. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. Sure, it's a, I don't think we need James, do we, in future? No. For this? He hasn't really no, added it's five, five, five short much. ones, which last... Five, four, three, two, one, and then zero is the long one. Yeah. That's they're, they're a tenth of a second, those five pips, mm. and the final pip lasts half a second. Um, One more aviation question, okay. or we can have loads more if you like. I think one. I think just one. <laughs> can we make it last? I think just can one. It, can it be one we've already had and then no one else gets the buzz? You should like this, oh, Jeremy. Okay. What did Wing Commander Roland Roly Falk do at the 1955 Farnborough Air Show that was subsequently banned? Too low, too low, flaps. Too low, gear. Too low, terrain. <laughs> Which is it? Um, it's all of those. It's yes, all of those. He uh, barrel rolled... A Vulcan bomber. You are absolutely correct. Oh, in well his suit. Done. Well, he was wearing a suit, suit was I he? believe he was wearing a suit. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, he barrel rolled a Vulcan. He was severely rebuked, apparently, because performing aerobatics in an aircraft weighing 69 tonnes and with a 99-foot wingspan was not the done thing. Oh, Isn't that lovely? Just <laughs> not the done thing. It was regarded as showing off. Not very British. I agree. Well done. So our clear winner for the pilot pod, James, is one, two, three, four, five. Jeremy got one and Roy got one. Well, well done. Um, is there a prize? Uh, you get to come back <laughs> with your buzzer? Possibly. Yeah. It's only a pilot. Yeah, we are, we are opening this up to the general public so they can vote you off if they like. Um, but I think that's uh, all for our pilot quiz thank you very much for listening and remember you can send in your questions to James for Ask James use our Twitter handle use Instagram it's at Top Landing Gear and we're also on email as well at Top Landing Gear at gmail.com at gmail.com thank you very much Roy thank you Jeremy thank you James thank you for listening and we will be back with the real thing sometime early in 2020 keep an eye on your social media this is Top Landing Gear. Well, thank you so much for listening to that pilot episode of Top Landing Gear. And you don't have to wait for the next episode because the full interview with John Hutchinson is available right after this podcast on what we like to call Top Landing Gear Full Flaps, the full unedited interview. And our first episode proper comes out next week. It's all about the Spitfire. And there we have an interview with Jim Schofield, 
the chief pilot at the Bolt B Academy down in Goodwood, where he gets to fly a Spitfire every day. And on top of that, he's flown over a hundred different types of aircraft, including being a test pilot for the F-35. The interview is fascinating. It's a great episode. We look forward to seeing you next week. So please subscribe. Please leave us a review. And until then, take care, keep safe, and we'll see you soon.